gather as much as they need. Now, two thoughts on the Israelites' reaction to this manna that broke from heaven. The first is that they didn't recognize the blessing when they showed up. They had lodged a request to God. The prophet Aaron said the Lord had heard the grumbling, and food literally rained down from heaven after they asked for it. But in verse 15, they didn't know what it was. They said, well, what is it? It's pretty for, pretty easy for us reading this story to say, come on. You just asked for food, and food is on the ground in front of you right after you asked. How often have we asked the Lord to provide, prayed to the Lord for, to provide? If we as a body prayed right now for sustenance, and afterwards walked right out in the state and just gets on the lawn, and we just say hallelujah and jump right in, or meet it with maybe a little bit of skepticism, I'll admit I probably would say at least what the Israelites said. What is this? Do we do the same things in our lives? When God leads her to prayer or his blessings are so huge and obvious, what is our response? In my own life, I know I'm guilty of looking for God's answers and or God's response only in the quiet and subtle ways. But how often again do I miss the obvious answer? This faith thing just gets on the lawn after. Do I really give God the credit to think that he will answer by raining down from heaven on me? Second thought on the Israelite response comes a little bit later. In that when we finally did recognize the gift from God, they eventually grumbled in the face of it. Exodus 16.35 says the Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. In Numbers 11, starting with verse 1, it says, Now the people complained about their hardship in the hearing of the Lord. Further on in verse 4, it says, The rabble with him began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt with milk on it. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything unless it's manna. From our 32,000 foot view, or looking back a few thousand years, don't the Israelites look a little petty and ridiculous? God brought them out of Egypt, literally spread a path before them, removing an ocean. Miracle after miracle, showing them away in the desert, food coming down from heaven. The same food for 40 years. Talk about God's providence and his consistency. But how many times in those Exodus and Numbers does it say that the Israelites complained? They grumbled, they even wailed. Lots of times, even in just Exodus 16 to Numbers 11. How many different ways had God provided for them, and yet they still felt the need to lodge their complaints. The blessings that God gave them were so obvious, coming from the sky even. But let's be honest, doesn't this sound a little bit familiar? I can pretty quickly put forth a holier-than-thou response to the Israelites' reaction. But realistically, my response can be just the same as the Israelites. Just as petty. Just as frequent. Particularly when I'm thinking about the things that are in front of me every day. The things I'm used to. 
And she'd tell us about what she observed every day, with fascination about what was going on. Did you know that I found a group of people putting a line between two trees and then they walked on it like a tightrope? I think they call it black line feet. Or today I saw a group of people dressed up in Renaissance costumes and they were practicing sword fighting. Much of her life was that care, but she was still fully engaged with what was going on around her. And when you're a kid, you can tell those adults that they're truly fully engaged with you. They truly want to listen to you, versus those that may just be paying you lip service. Nini would find ways to play with us, and to truly listen to what we had to say. How did she indulge in the monotony of her day? She listened to us. She would hear the stories that we had no doubt told her ten times, and her response was always one of wonder, my land, that adventures in Do we truly listen? When someone says, do it again, what do we hear? Do we hear just another thing on the to-do list, or do we hear someone's true request for help? When we hear do it again, do we hear a child that just can't do enough, or do we hear joy? in what they're actually doing. One day, Nanny picked us up, picked me up from kindergarten during our Red Ribbon Week where we were learning to say no to drugs and alcohol. Nanny was a half-a-day smoker for 50 years. That day when she picked me up, I said, Nanny, I'd like you to quit smoking. I don't remember exactly what she said to me, but that day she stopped smoking cold turkey. She truly heard what I had to say. She was truly listening. It would have been easy to hear that request as an overzealous, naive kindergartner asking her to do something hard. But instead, she truly listened. She heard a request that was centered in love and concern, and she took it to heart. Over and over, New Testament and Old, God tells us to listen. The lesson follows not ending. It's supposed to appear to whoever has ears, let them hear. And in Isaiah, listen and hear my voice, pay attention and hear what I say. Think God wants us to truly listen and hear? He speaks every day. Are we listening? My sister Abby was also largely confined to her chair. She was born with severe developmental disabilities. Uh, she had a condition called lesencephaly, which means that her brain was smooth. Whereas ours have ridges and dilations, uh, she did not have that. And this led her to have uh, a number of physical manifestations of, of disability. 
generation. Think about your commitments to a future. Same old tasks or an opportunity to exult in the past. Let's pray together.